to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. turn to the book of Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. I don't know if y'all noticed um, the incredibly good-looking head that John was working on in that. You may have have missed out on really the message of that video because there was a a head that was just, you know, it it was a beautiful, a beautiful thing. But uh, anyway, before we get into the message, I just wanted to share something. You know, we as a church believe in the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe that the church is not just about a program to follow, but about a presence to pursue, that we want to meet with the presence of God, the life of God. And, um, you know, we as a church, are, and maybe you're, uh, you understand this, as a church, I believe one of the things that God has us growing in right now is our ability to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, I love, uh, the, the Bible says this, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where the wind blows. And uh, so if anybody's ever done any sailing, um, your job is just to pick up the wind and follow the wind, right? Uh, I heard recently um, a scientist on NPR talking about how birds communicate with each other. If you've ever seen a flock of birds flying together, it's an amazing uh, thing because you know, they don't have like little radios in their ears. They don't have like a plan that they get together before they go fly and they just like follow that plan. They're, they're responding. And actually the scientists were saying, we don't even know how birds like fly together almost spontaneously. And, uh, but that's really uh, part of what God wants to do among us, that he wants us every time we come together uh, just to, to, to be open to, Holy Spirit, where are you leading? You know, if we just come together and as great as the program is, if it's just sing a couple songs, give a nice message, hopefully it's more than that, but if that's all it is, uh, I believe we're missing out on what God is saying and God is doing. So I was just during worship, um, uh, we, it was amazing, Kendall began to sing a song, and I can't remember the, it was just kind of a spontaneous song, I think. Uh, what was that, that line that you were singing? I'm just seeing if y'all were paying attention. I know what it was. It was, uh, you're the one that we want. You're the one that we want. And uh, just spontaneous. And some of you are like, where's the words to this? I don't know it. Well, you know, those are the moments that the Bible talks about singing in the Spirit, worshiping in the Spirit. And, um, you know, it's uh, Valentine's Week. Is, uh, this is Valentine's Week. Valentine's Day is coming up. And how many of you know it's good to have a plan for Valentine's Day? All the ladies said... Amen. Men, it's good, and, and ladies, good to have a plan for Valentine's Day. But how many of you know that it's, you don't just follow the script, right? It, it, it's about creating an atmosphere where relationship can flow out. And so as we were just listening to that, I just felt like, man, the Holy Spirit's saying something. And it was incredible. Um, in our pre-service prayer meeting, um, Lillian actually had uh, a word. And uh, I'll just share it, Lillian, if that's okay. Lillian was talking about uh, that she's been reading a book called The Circle Maker. Anybody ever read the book, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson? And he's talking about the power of pray, praying circles around things that you're believing for and, and really an act of faith. And Lillian was saying as she read that book, she just felt like God said to her, uh, just pray circles around me, circle me. In other words, more than anything else, make me the focus of your desire. And, um, and so, honestly, in our pre-service prayer meeting, I just thought, man, I think the Lord's wanting to say that, and uh, maybe we should have Lillian share that, or maybe we should share that word, and then when Kendall began to sing, you're the one that we want, uh, I, and I just felt like, you know, there's a, a wind of God's Spirit blowing in that, and so I don't know if that's a, a word that some of you need to hear. Uh, you know, the Bible says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And maybe some of you, there's things that you are desiring. Maybe even in 2019, there's something that you're saying, God, I want this. This is what I want. And, and maybe you don't feel like God's giving that to you. And I want you to understand this, that if God, God is a good father, he loves to give his children good things. And so if he is not giving you what you ask for, you can trust and rest that he is leading you into something better and ultimately uh, that he would lead you into delighting yourself in him.
And uh, C.S. Lewis said this, that we are often like, like children that are content to play making mud pies in, in the mud when we've been called to be princes and, and, and princesses, that we've been called to be royalty, how easily content we are with things. And so maybe that's a word for somebody here. And I just want to pray before we get into the message, pray that God would cause our hearts uh, just to, to be delighted in Him. Amen? That we would just have this fresh longing. God, I want you more than anything. I want you more than the breath I breathe. And so, God, we pray, Lord, that you would stir our hearts with a fresh desire for you, God, even as we sing today. You're the one that we want. Father, thank you that your word says that if we would delight ourselves in you, God, you'll give us the desires of our heart. And so, Lord, I pray for every person here. I pray for myself. And, God, we just say, Lord, help us to, to delight in you. Help us to come back to that place of just enjoying your presence. Like David said, one thing I desire, that would I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Father, we pray that today, God, more than my words, more than an atmosphere, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you. We welcome you in this place. I pray now as we come to your word that you would cause it to come alive to us, speak to us, we pray. Change our hearts Today we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Do you have your, your Bible? All right. If you don't, we'll put these scriptures up on the screen, but I want to read a few passages of scripture. First, Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 4, and uh, then I'm going to flip over to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and uh, just to catch you up, if you're just jumping in today, we're in a series that we're calling Church on Mission, and uh, that's really not about us having some cool mission as a church as much as it is about joining God in His mission. And uh, we believe that church is not just like a nice rest stop to come in and just feel good, that it's not just a rest stop, but it is a launching pad that every single one of us, God has a mission for us. And so we are talking about what does it mean to live on mission, on purpose. And uh, so today I want us to look at this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. It says this, this is Jesus beginning his ministry, and it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, uh, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. That word healed, the original word is the same word that we get the word therapy from. So Jesus was, was bringing therapy to them. He was bringing healing to these people. Then it says, great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now, I'm going to flip over to Matthew 24. I want to read just one verse there and then skip into the Old Testament. Matthew 24, 14, it says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Then I want to flip over to Isaiah. I know I'm making you flip around, or you can just write these down. But Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, it says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion or to, to God's people, your God reigns. I want to speak to you today about telling God's story. Telling God's story. Or what is often called evangelism. Now, there's some words that when we hear them, we think, man, that just, yes, I'm excited about that. There's certain words that have certain connotations, evoke certain feelings. And you don't have to answer this question, but, but if you were to think about what comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism, 
Do you think, yes, that's awesome. I'm, that is so great. I'm, I'm passionate for that. Well, I, I want you to understand that the word evangelism or, or, or sharing our faith comes from the root word euangelion, which is the announcement of good news. The announcement of good news. How many of you here love good news? The rest of you are like, I've got way too much good news in my life. How, now, how many of us love good news? I think all of us love good news, right? We all love good news. Uh, it's kind of like when I, uh, my first job that I ever had, my first legit job was flower delivery. And I, I, I want to tell you, if you ever want a job that just makes you feel good, go deliver flowers. It is amazing. Because here's what I've noticed, here's what I saw, is that nobody is ever upset to get flowers. Like maybe they are some I'm sorry flowers, maybe they were upset before that, but when they get flowers, how many of you know, nobody's upset to get flowers? Again, Valentine's week, just saying. But it, that's, that's kind of what it's, that's what good news is like. Everybody loves to share good news, right? I mean, if there's, if you have, I love seeing sometimes when there's babies that are going to be born and there's this announcement and everybody, you know, this carefully crafted, you know, announcement and it's kind of this thing of like, who knows, who doesn't know, who should know, do you know? I've realized I just don't say anything. When in doubt, don't say anything. Uh, Or maybe an engagement. Eddie and Tiffany just recently got engaged. Come on. And uh, I, I noticed this, as soon as the engagement happened, you got to hear the story sometime from Eddie, but as soon as the story happened, they wanted to share the news, right, Tiffany? You wanted to share the news, and, and we all can relate to that with different things. We love to tell good news. It's the most natural thing in the world. When there is something good, we just want to share it, Right? However, there is a challenge that oftentimes that does not translate into our spiritual life. The reality is that most followers of Jesus would say, I love Jesus, I'm for Jesus, but but I really struggle to share that good news with other people. In fact, this week there was a, a big study that came out done by the Barna Group who's one of the leading uh, research companies, survey companies in America. And they released this big study on uh, evangelism or sharing our faith. And they found some really interesting things about people that are are followers of Jesus when it comes to sharing our faith. Uh, One thing they saw is that 96% of people who follow Jesus would agree that it is a, a good thing or part of my faith is to is being a witness about Jesus, right? Would we agree with that? If you're if you're in agreement, say yes. How many of you think it's a it's part of our faith to share with other people? Yeah. That's right. Yes, it is. Ninety six percent survey show. Ninety six percent of people would say that. However, fifty six only fifty six percent. So about half of the followers of Jesus who were surveyed, only half would say that they have had two or, uh, or fewer conversations about their faith in the last year. In other words, half, uh, 96, almost 100% of people would say, yes, it is a good thing to share my faith, but only about 50% of people would say that they've even had two or less conversations. So that's two or fewer conversations, any conversations about their faith in the last year. In fact, uh, of millennials, and and this is not millennial bashing, I I like to consider myself a millennial. I'm on on the top end of the millennials, maybe I'm I'm out, but I'm I'm holding on to it. But 47% of millennials would say that it's actually wrong. Now these are followers of Jesus, people that say, I love Jesus, he's changed my life, I want to follow Jesus, the Bible is filled with good news. And 47% would say that it's actually wrong to share their faith with someone else in the hopes that they would find the same good news or the same goodness in the news of Jesus that they had found. 
So, really, that, that shows that there is a conflict within many followers of Jesus when it comes to sharing our faith. It's kind of one of those things that we know we should do it, but we're just probably not going to do it, right? Yes, that's true. That is true. And that, let me just say, it's okay to be in that place today. It's okay to be in that place today. It kind of is, I think, if most of us are honest, we would probably put like sharing our faith in the same category as like flossing daily, like, it's a good thing. I, I believe it's good. I'm sure it's good. I'm just not doing it. Flossers don't judge, okay? Or Dave Ramsey's budget. I know that's a good thing, but most of us probably are not going to do that, right? And so there is a conflict or a challenge that we find, but here's, here's the, the challenge, is that if we are serious about following Jesus, If we believe that the Bible is true, we cannot escape the importance of sharing our faith with other people. The Bible does not let us off the hook. The the, the scripture that we just read said Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The last words he told us is go preach this, this gospel of the kingdom will be spread to the ends of the earth. And so most of us, I think if we're honest, we feel when it comes to sharing our faith, we feel, uh, again, we feel conflicted. It goes in that category of we should and we want to, but we just struggle to do that. And and here's what I believe. I think that the, the root of the problem comes down to a misunderstanding of the message. The root problem is a misunderstanding of the message. Anybody played that game uh, a telephone before where you like go around the room and, and you start off with a certain message and halfway around the room, you know, you started off saying like, I love oatmeal and by the end, you know, halfway through it's like um, puppies are delicious or something like that, you know, it's totally changed. And so that can often be the problem when it comes to sharing our faith that there can be a misunderstanding of the message, in fact, if I were to ask you today, and you don't have to yell this out, but if I were to, to tell you today, uh, imagine that, that a friend, you were meeting with a friend over coffee at the coffee shop, and, and they said, hey, tell me, uh, tell me your faith. What is the good news? Some of us would be like, phone a friend, right? That's phone a friend, I am calling somebody else. And, uh, and others of us, how many of you, to be honest, you'd be like, phone a friend, Phone a friend. Man, y'all are like so good at this. No, I know all of us struggle with it. I've been there before. Some of us would be like, I, I don't really know. And then others may be like, uh, here's the good news. Uh, Jesus died so that you could go to heaven when you die. Who thinks that's a good thing to say? That's a good thing. Y'all know this is a trick question. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a great thing. That's a great thing to say. That is so true, but it is not the whole truth. And so here's the challenge I think that we are facing in much of our culture today when it comes to the misunderstanding of the message is, number one, that there is a disconnection from the story. There's a disconnection from the story. Most people, if they hear Jesus died so that you could live, it's like, I don't see how that has anything to do with one another. It's kind of like walking into a movie partway through and everybody is like on the edge of their seats and everybody seems to be excited about what's happening and you kind of think like this guy may be important to the movie and everybody's cheering but you have no idea why they're cheering, right? Anybody ever snuck into a movie after going to another movie? Yeah? Confession time. And you're like, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Why? Because you see something, but you've disconnected it from the story. And and we often do the same thing when we talk about our faith. We disconnect who Jesus is from the broader story. There's a disconnection from the story, and then there's also a disconnection from life. We say, believe in Jesus, and you can go to heaven when you die. Well, that is awesome. That is good news when I die. But how many of you know, I'm not trying to die, I'm trying to live, right? right? Like, I, that's not, that would be good news when I'm on my deathbed, but today, I'm, I'm trying to make it through the day. 
I've got other problems to face right now. And so many people, they hear this good news of eternity in heaven, but they don't know how that applies to their here and now. And I believe that that is because there's been a misunderstanding of the message. And I want you to see here, if we're going to share our faith, we need to ask the question, what is the faith that we are sharing? Or let me put it this way, what was Jesus's message? What was Jesus's message? And the, the passages we just read show us what his message was. It says this, that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Did you notice that the, the Bible uses the same words when Jesus says, go and, and preach or go share this faith around the world? He says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations. So what was Jesus' message? The gospel of the kingdom, which begs the question, what is a kingdom, Right? Now, I know that we live in a culture that, that we don't know much about the kingdom. Like, our culture in America was established in an attempt to throw off a kingdom, right? So, for many of us, when we hear the word kingdom, it's like control, and that's the last thing we want in our lives. But I actually think that all of us understand this concept of kingdom, and, and Webster's Dictionary defines kingdom as a sphere of independent action or control. It's a sphere of independent action or control. Now, let's bring this into present day. Any of you have teenagers? Any of you ever been a teenager? Yes, some of you. What is a teenager's number one goal? Establish their front, throw off the tyranny of the king right? I'm, this is a new kingdom. Get out of my room, right? What is that? That is kingdom. It's kingdom. There's something within people that says, I, I want to have control or dominate. Why is that? Because the Bible says this, that God's first intention for us was to take dominion. So we have kingdom within us because we were made for it. I'll bring it into maybe a more local Example, um, Disney World, right? Anybody ever been to Disney World? Yeah, Magic Kingdom. See, who's season pass holders? Season pass holders, loving the kingdom, right? <laughs> Seeking the kingdom. If you've ever been to Disney, you understand this concept of kingdom. It is a counterculture to the world around it. Is it not? Right? Um, it, it, Colton works there. He understands. It is a counterculture. When you're in Disney you're in Disney. It's another world, right? Everything is done meticulously. Everything is done. Why? Because of the, the vision behind it. Now, it wasn't a king, but it was, may as well have been. It was Walt, right? Walt Disney had, had this vision. If you know the story of the, the establishment of Disney World here in Orlando, uh, you know that, that uh, Walt actually died before the opening of Disney World, and there's a story, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I think it, it has great bearing on this, that at the opening of Disney World, um, after Walt's passing, Walt's brother, Roy, who was running the Disney Corporation at that point, was standing at the grand opening, and there was a reporter beside him, and the reporter said to Walt, or said to Roy, if Walt could only see this, to which Roy responded, he did. That's why it's here right? It was the vision, or let me say it this way, it was the will of Walt done in Orlando as it is in the imagination of Walt, right? Everybody tracking with me? It's the will of Walt. It was what he wanted. It was this vision being established in this place as it was in his own mind. And here's what I want you to understand is that this is what God speaks of when he talks about his kingdom on the earth. The message of the Bible is not about God getting us off the earth as quickly as possible. It's not God's ultimate objective is not get you to heaven as quickly as possible. God's ultimate objective is get heaven into you and onto the earth through you. 
Now, let me prove my point because some of you may be a little bit nervous about what I'm saying. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's look at it. Let's put it up on the screen and look at it together. It says this, Genesis 1, 26. This is the, the creation of mankind. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. You hear that? Dominion. That's a kingdom word. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps where? On the earth. What was God's intention, original intention for mankind? Was it for him to just go to heaven when he died? No, it was not even for him to die. God's original intention was for man to live on earth as his delegated authority to extend his kingdom, the, the beauty, the love, the joy, the peace of God's kingdom as it was in heaven, so it would be on earth through mankind. So God's original intention there in the book of Genesis was not taking man to heaven, it was bringing heaven to earth. If you follow the whole story of the Bible, and I know I'm talking about some big ideas, but this actually has practical application to our lives and to our faith and to what we share with other people. If you follow the whole story, and let me say this, the Bible is, first and foremost, it is not just a collection of um, religious dogma. It, it is not a collection of propositional truths. It is a story. Have you ever noticed the first three letters of the Bible? In the beginning, right? It doesn't say point one A, right? It says in the beginning. In other words, that is a story. And so, the overarching story there we see in the beginning was that mankind would rule and reign on the earth. Not that we would just go to heaven when we die. Now, if you go to the very end of Scripture, Revelation chapter 22, it's the end of the narrative portion of Scripture. I know some of you, again, are you like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? But this is the end of the overarching story. It's the final scene of the story of the Bible and if you read that whole chapter, what you will find is that the Bible says that, that heaven is coming to earth. God comes to dwell among mankind. There is a new heaven and a new earth. And Revelation 22 says this, that there shall be no night there. They need neither lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light Listen to this, and they shall reign forever and ever. Again, if you read the context of that passage of Scripture, you will find that the place that they are reigning is not in heaven forever and ever, or that we are reigning. The place that we are reigning is on the earth. So the beginning of mankind, according to the story of the Bible, is take dominion, excuse me, take dominion, it's dangerous to sit on the front row. Take dominion on the earth, and the end of the story is mankind reigning forever on the earth. The story of the Bible is not God getting us out of earth as quickly as possible. It's God wanting to establish His purpose on the earth. And the reason that this is important is because many of us are not that excited to share our faith because, I've said, as I've said before, we kind of view our faith as like spiritual life insurance, right? Like, I have life insurance. It's a good thing, but I'm not hoping to ever have to use it, right? Like, I'm glad my family would be taken care of if something happened to me, but I don't pay that life insurance policy going like, Man, this is, I'm so glad to pay this. This is such a great investment. Now, it is a good investment, and especially if you have a family. But why is that? Because I'm not trying to die. I'm trying to live. And most of us, and let me say this specifically among young people, when it comes to our faith, we often see our faith disconnected from our daily lives 
Because we have reduced our faith and we have reduced the gospel down to an eternal life insurance policy rather than God's purpose here and now. God's intention is not just get us out of here, it's that he wants to get in here. He wants to get in here. And so, unfortunately, we have missed out on the fullness of salvation. We've missed out on the fullness in an attempt to emphasize this reality of our own sin and our own need for faith in Jesus. We have boiled the, the gospel down to if you believe in Jesus, you will go to heaven when you die, which is true, but it is out of the rest of the story and it does not pertain to daily life. And so if we are going to begin to share our faith with other people, I believe that it's important that we're not only answering the questions of death, but we are answering the questions of life, right? Uh, for, for many of us, the way that we've been trained or taught or picked up that we need to share our faith with people is like this. Anybody, anybody ever heard this before? If you were to die today. Anybody ever heard that? It's like, you're going to kill me? Back off. Back off, right? If somebody knocks at your door. If you were to die today, how many of you know door is going shut, 911, right? Some of you are like, I don't need 911, I'll handle it myself. How many of you know that's not good news? That's not good news. We've boiled the gospel down just to a decision for death rather than the answer of our longings for life. And if we are going to get excited about this faith and this, this good news that we share, we need to understand the story of God is much bigger than you going to heaven when you die. God's story is about the here and now. It pertains to your work. It pertains to your family. It pertains to your finances. It pertains to your health. All of these things are a part of God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And so I, I want to share with you uh, a few things that I believe are longings of life. The longings of life, questions that I believe every single person asks, whether they're a follower of Jesus, whether they're, they live in America or not, I believe there's some questions that every person asks that I believe the gospel gives the answer to these questions. The first thing is, well, let me just quickly give you these questions and then I'll go back to each one. The first question is, who am I? Who am I? The second question is, where am I from? Where am I from? It's the, it's the belonging question. The third question is, why am I here? That's the purpose question. The fourth question is, is what am I capable of? What's my potential? And then the, the fifth question is, where am I going? That's the question of destiny. Who am I? Where am I from? What, what, is, what is my potential? Or what, why am I here? What can I do and where am I going? Now, I want to pack, unpack those a little bit. First thing is, who am I? Who am I? Every person has this inward desire for identity. It's been said that the, the greatest sound to a person's ears is the sound of their own name. Anybody ever heard that? Right? Why? Because we long to know who we are. And I would say this, that in our culture today, there is an identity crisis. People are desperate for a sense of identity. There is this sense of, I want to be a part of something that gives identity beyond just my own self. So there's, there's new conversations about, uh, about gender identity, about uh, identity politics, all of these conversations that circle around identity. And I believe the reason why is because mankind has an identity crisis as we have been separated from God. The Bible says that we were made in the image of God. We were made like God. And so the good news of the gospel is not just you go to heaven when you die, but God wants to give you identity here and now. I love the story of Peter that, that Jesus says to him, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Jesus actually says, who do, who do people say that I am? He says, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And then he says to Peter, he says, Peter, but who do you say that I am? And I want you to know that that's the, the most important question 
that we could ever answer is, first and foremost, who do we say that Jesus is? And Peter's response says, Jesus, you are, you are the Christ, the Son of God. In other words, I believe the story that you are writing. I believe that you are who you say you are. And Jesus responds to Peter, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he says this, and I say that you are Peter. It used to be Simon, but now you're going to be Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus was giving to Peter a new identity. You see, Peter's life in the past had been marked by, by uh, ups and downs. He was, this, he, he was this guy that he just went with the feeling in the moment. He was never predictable. He may be there. He may not be there. He may be up. He may be down. You just never knew with Peter. That's kind of who he was. And so everybody else, when they thought of Peter, they'd say, oh, Peter, he's, the, he's up and down. He's unpredictable. He, you, you can't depend on him. But Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm going to give you a new identity. You've been indecisive in the past. You've been up and down, unpredictable in the past. But Peter, I'm going to give you a new identity, and I'm going to call you a rock. I'm going to give you a, a new identity to live out of. And I believe this, that, that when the gospel comes into our lives, that it first changes our identity. That helps us to know. You see, the culture that we live in would say that you are what you do. You are what you do. That's so... so Get this degree, nothing wrong with a degree, but if you get this degree, then you will have value. Or, or if you're in this relationship, then you will have value. It's about what you do, but the gospel is not about what you do. It's who we have been made by, that we were created by God. I love what the Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God. It's like Popeye, what did Popeye say? I am what I am. That's right. I am what I am. There's this confidence. He wasn't perfect, but there was this sense of confidence. And I believe that every one of us, God wants to give us confidence. And not only that, he wants us to, to recognize this in other people, that there is this longing for identity. So the first question is, who am I? The second question, this longing for life is, where do I belong? Or, or where am I from? It's the question of belonging. Anybody ever done the 23andMe or a DNA thing? Any, some of you have done that. And uh, you did it, Jarrett? You should share yours with me. Yeah, same. We got the same, same thing. It's, it's interesting. There's been this explosion of popularity in those things. Why is it? I believe it's because there's this longing for belonging. There's this sense of, I want to be a part of a story beyond myself. I want to know my family story. I want to know my background. I want to belong to something bigger than just my own story. I want to be a part of something bigger. Why? Because ultimately, when we threw off the kingdom of God on the earth, it dislocated us from our identity. It dislocated us from our place of, uh, of belonging. And so many people today, if they're honest, they are struggling with a sense of belonging. Psychologists say that there is an epidemic of loneliness, that, that the culture today is the most isolated culture in history. There's this longing to be a part of something beyond just myself. For many of us, that's the way, that's, that's why we do so much of what we do. Perhaps that's the way we dress the way we dress or we talk the way we talk or the music we listen to. Was anybody ever in middle school? How many of you know? You were trying to get in where you could fit in, right? Just me, okay, me, Nate. Many of us were. Why? Because there's a longing for belonging. In every person, there's this longing. I want to be a part of something. And the good news of Jesus is not just that you go to heaven when you die, but that through Jesus Christ, you've been brought in. You who were an outsider, we who are outsiders, have now been made insiders. We've been made insiders. You know, the story of the Bible, so many times it uses the word salvation. The original word for salvation in the New Testament is the word sozo. Everybody say so sozo. You're, oh, good, you're speaking Greek. Okay, sozo. The word sozo means to be made whole. To be made whole. And, and the, the very first 
statement about Jesus that the angel gave to his mother is that his name would be called Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. It is the word sozo. So Jesus came to save us from our sins, but that same word is used in different instances throughout the Bible. There's a story of of a woman with an issue of blood, the Bible says, that she had been bleeding for 12 years. And in that culture, for, for a woman to be in that condition left her unclean. She could not be a part of the culture. She could not be a part of family activities. She could, she could not participate in worship. She was an outsider. And the Bible says that she came to Jesus one day and she grabbed the hem of his garment and Jesus felt power leave him and he turned around and he said, who touched me? And he saw the woman and he said to the, the woman, he says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith, it's the word sozo. Your faith has sozoed you. The same word that is used of salvation from sins in that context, the salvation or the sozo that she experienced was not just that she would go to heaven when she died, but that she could be brought into God's people. That she was no longer isolated. Imagine if Jesus had just said to her, Woman, you've touched the hem of my garment. You will go to heaven when you die. How many of you know that would not be good news to her? Are we in agreement? That's like... And so when we reduce the gospel down to isolating it out of the story and isolating it out of daily life, we begin to answer the questions that people are not asking. Most people are not asking, how do I go to heaven when I die? Most people are asking, how do, I, how do I belong? How do I have relationship? I'm, I'm just trying to find a place of belonging, a place of community. And Jesus is saying that sozo, salvation, is not, yes, it is to get us to heaven when we die. And if that's all it was, praise God for that. But that's not what this woman needed to hear. She needed to hear, you've been made whole. You can come in. You can have a place of belonging. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 5 that he's predestined us to adoption as sons. This is important when we share the gospel with people, when we share our faith with people, because we have to listen to the longings of people's hearts. We have to listen to the longings. If we go to somebody and say, believe in Jesus, you go to heaven when you die, that is true, but that is not the question they're asking. The, The question they're asking is, how do I have identity? How do I have belonging? Where, do, where is my place? The third question is, why am I here? It's the question of purpose. Why am I here? How many of you know, every person asks that at some point in their life. Why am I here? Why am I on the earth? Am I here just as a, is this just a, an accident? Is this just a coincidence? And, and, and I love that the Bible says that when God made Adam, he put him in the garden. What was the garden? It was his mission. It was his job. It was his purpose. So when he was born, there was already a purpose waiting for him. The Bible says this to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. God's salvation to us is not just to get us out of hell and into heaven. It's to get us into our purpose in life. The Bible says this, uh, uh, 1 Timothy says that he has saved us and called us with a holy calling. So every single one of us, when God saves us, he gives us a purpose. Let me tell you, the world, again, they may not be asking, where do I, where am I going after I die? But, But I believe many people are asking, why am I here? Why am I here? Is, is this just about get a bigger house, climb the corporate ladder? Is there a purpose for my life? And, and, and so the gospel is good news that when God saves us, he gives us a purpose. The fourth question is this, what can I do? What's my potential? That's a question every person asks. What's my potential? I, I believe this. People ask, am I adequate? Do I have what it takes 
Why do we look at other people and rank ourselves and compare ourselves? Because we're asking the question, do I have what it takes? What is my potential? Do I add up to perhaps men? You look at other men and you think, Am I, do, do I add up? How do I compare with other men in maybe my work or maybe, uh, maybe the, my, you know, the practicalities of life or maybe ladies with ladies? Maybe moms, you look at other moms and go, uh, you know, their house is so clean and let me tell you, it's not that clean. They cleaned it up just before you got there. But we look at other people. Why? Because we have this question, what's my potential? Do I have what it takes and the good news of the gospel is not just that we go to heaven when we die but that the power of God lives in us here and now the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you now would you let that sink into your brain for just a moment God who created the universe who spoke planets into existence, unfathomable, omnipotent, omniscient God lives in you. Do you think you have what it takes to do what God's called you to do? That's good news, that there is power living in me. Fifth question is, where am I going? Where am I going? Where am I going? So many of us struggle with fear of the future. Fear of perhaps it's in our career, perhaps it's family, perhaps things in life that we are afraid of the future. We have fear for the future. And, and I believe that we need to recognize that God's, the, the good news of the kingdom is that God has given us a destiny and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The story of Jesus' disciples in the boat illustrates that so beautifully. Maybe you're familiar with that story. The disciples are caught in this storm and the wind and the waves, and Jesus is just there taking a nap. He's just taking a nap. He's just sleeping. And uh, they go to Jesus, and they wake him up. Jesus, wake up. Wake up. And when they wake him up, they, they say something to him. They say, Jesus, save us. It's the word sozo, the word salvation. Jesus, save us. Now, how many of you know they were not just talking about Jesus, we're going to die. We want to go to heaven when we die. Like if you're in a boat, that is a good prayer to pray. If you have not prayed it in that moment, that's a good prayer to pray. But that's not what they were meaning. They were saying, Jesus, don't let us die. Don't let us die here and now. How many of you know sometimes you just need to know the answer or you just need to know that where you're at is not the end of the story? that where you're at, it, you, they probably thought, God, did you just, Jesus, did you bring us out here just to kill us? And he, he's saying, no, I've got a destiny. I've got a purpose for you. He stood up and he spoke to the wind and the waves. He said, peace, be still. And then he said to them, you of little faith, you of little faith. What were they believing? They, it wasn't that they weren't believing that they could go to heaven and die. They, they were not believing that God had a destiny for them that was greater than their present circumstance that would give them the confidence that where they were was not the end of the story. And so many of us, we deal with that same fear in our lives every day. We have the fear of, uh, of what if I never get through this moment? What if this season that I'm in is the end of the line? Then I want you to know that the Bible gives us the hope that God has a plan, God has a purpose, and God has a destiny for our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says this, If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. What's the future, wherever you're at today? Maybe you don't feel like you're reigning today. Maybe you don't feel like you're ruling today. People in our world, if we're honest, they don't, they're not ruling and reigning. They're being ruled and they're being 
they're, they're, they're oppressed by fear, anxiety, loneliness. They are under the rule of these things. And the good news of the gospel is that if we will endure, that we will reign with him, that where we're at is not the end of the line. Now that's good news for us, but the whole point of this message is not about us. It's about sharing that story with other people. It's about sharing that good news. And so here's what I believe that we need to do, that we need to begin to listen for the longings in people. If you, as we talk about sharing God's story, we, we shouldn't just go to someone and say, if you were to die today. Now, again, I'm not saying that's not true. It is true. But it's often irrelevant because there's challenges they're facing today, and we need to begin to listen for the longings. Listen to the longings of people's hearts. Listen, if you have a, a, a co-worker that just is so driven by, man, I don't know if I'll ever make it to a different place in my career. I'm stuck in a dead-end job. What is that? That's a longing for purpose. If it's someone who is striving to fit in, striving for belonging, what is that? That's a, a longing for belonging. Where am I from? Who am I a part of? The gospel for them is not just to go to heaven when they die, but that God wants to give them heaven here and now. He wants to bring them into his family. People that are stressed out, overwhelmed, anxious. The good news is that the Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus, can come and live in you here and now. That he can empower you to overcome whatever you're facing. That's the, the story of the good news. So here's my, my challenge to us in closing. Worship team, you guys can come back up. Here's my challenge to us in closing. Number one, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you with this. Learn to tell God's story. Learn to tell God's story. That's why studying the Bible is so important. That's why understanding, I know sometimes when I preach, I, I'm like telling the whole story of the Bible. And the reason for that is because it's important for us to understand the the whole story of God is the good news, not just that we'll go to heaven when we die, but that He is bringing His life and bringing His kingdom into here and now. So we need to learn to tell God's story. We need to, to learn to listen to the longings in people's hearts. As we enter into Alpha, our role in Alpha is not to just tell people what we think they need to hear. It's first and foremost to begin to listen to people. Have you ever noticed how much Jesus listened to people? You probably heard it said God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? I believe God wants us to begin to listen to the longings in people's hearts. And not just to blow it off, not just to, to give a just a surface level answer, but what would happen if you began to listen to people through the lens of God's story? And as they're facing a challenge, facing a difficulty, what if you begin to say, hey, you're, you're, you're dealing with that, but let me give you some good news. God has a purpose greater than that. You're stressed out, mom, stressed out, dad, overwhelmed. Let me tell you, you may be in the midst of a storm, but where you're at is not the end of the story. God has a purpose. He has got a, a destiny for you, for your children, for your life. Let's begin to listen to the longings in people's hearts. And then the second thing that I want to encourage us to do is perhaps some of us are here today. You can go ahead and stand to your feet. Perhaps some of us are here today and we've never allowed God to write our story. The Bible says that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He wants to write the story of your life. But here is the challenge. Oftentimes the challenge is for us to just say, God, I, I believe your plan is better than my plan. Your story is better than my story. That's what faith is. It's 
simply saying, God, I believe that you're able to do better than I can do. Sin is a, a, an unwillingness to allow God to write our story. And perhaps for some of us here, we've never made that decision to put our faith in Jesus, to allow God to write our story. I, I believe that God wants to do that for every single one of us. And for both of us, both of those things, maybe some of you here that you just need to learn to tell God's story. Here's what I want you to know. It's, it's actually as simple as coming to Alpha. There's so many other ways to do it, but if you've never shared your faith with somebody else, Alpha is a great opportunity. Bring somebody to Alpha. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've never heard the story of God. Alpha is a great opportunity. It, it, the word means beginning. And maybe you need to have a new beginning, a new chapter in your story or just a new story altogether. And I want you to understand this. It's not about Alpha, but it's about what God does through that. It's about what God does through that. I want to ask if you would just to bow your heads all over the room. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your greatness, God. We thank you, Lord, for the good news of your kingdom, God, that heaven has come near. Heaven is in us. Even as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And Lord, I pray for those of us today that are perhaps facing impossibilities. Maybe you're here, and I know we already had people raise their hands just to say, I'm, I'm facing a challenge, but, but I believe some of us are here. God wants to give us a, a, a breakthrough. God wants to show his power, his kingdom power in our lives. Some of us that are sick in our bodies, God wants to heal us. Maybe some of us feel like we're in a dead end in our job or in, maybe there's something in, fa in your family that is stressing you out. And God's wanting you to hear salvation, good news here and now. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward and stand on both sides and We've got communion available on both sides of the stage today as we do so many times. And Jesus said this, as often as you drink this cup, eat this bread, you are proclaiming my death until I come again. What's he saying? You are, you are telling the story. You are entering into the story of God, the gospel that Jesus accomplished when he hung on the cross and his body was broken. But that's not the end of the story. There is the hope that one day, whatever you're facing, whatever challenges you have, that where you're at is not the end of the story. And we look forward to that day. Amen? So we're going to take just a couple moments. If you have something in your life that you need a breakthrough in, facing a challenge, and I want to encourage you with this, culture of response. We want a culture of response. Think about that lady with the, with the issue of blood. What if she had just said, you know what, I'm not going to bother Jesus. I'm not going to step out. What would people think about me? She would have missed out on what God had for her. I love that thought of that little lady with just that scrappy faith. The Bible doesn't tell us this. It, we know there was a crowd around Jesus, but I kind of think maybe she went in there and just threw some elbows. Jesus kind of went, I'm not, gonna, I'm not satisfied just to stay where I'm at. When I have a need in my body, I'm going to press through and take hold of the hem of his garment. Do not wait. If, if, let me say this. If you wait to heaven to get the answer to what you need, it is not on God. It is on you. It's on you. So many balancing statements I can say to that. I'm not going to give all of them. But here's what I want to say today. God wants to manifest his kingdom in your life. God wants to produce, uh, to, to manifest healing. Maybe you've got problems in your home. God wants the kingdom of God to come in your life. And so I want to invite you. We're going to sing this song. And it says, this heaven waits for me and heaven lives in me. And I want us to declare this. Declare over your marriage. Declare that my home is filled with heaven. It may not feel like heaven, but I'm going to begin to speak heaven into my home.
Maybe your body feels broken today, but you're going to begin to, there's a line in this song that says, I'm going to sing like a man with no sickness in my body. And we're going to begin to sing like there is no sickness in our body, not, not because we're already feeling it, but because we're believing it. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's step out. If you want communion, there's communion on both sides. I'll come back up in just a moment and pray and close in prayer. If you want prayer, come on either side. You don't have to throw elbows, but you do have to get out. So let's worship the Lord. Let's sing this song. Let's receive what he has for us.